I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 71. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hello, Broker Nation. This is Jackson Middleton here from Kilted Media. I work with Scott on the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast, and we decided to change things up a little bit today. And I've got Scott Peckford in the hot seat. Scott is a mortgage broker with Mortgage Architects. He's been brokering for nine years. He's in the top 5% of brokers in the country, and he started this podcast because he loves learning. I'm stoked for this interview today. Scott, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock, Jackson. And it feels really weird being on the other side of the mic here, but I'm going to just roll with it. I know. I, li- I listen to all the interviews and they- you start out the same way and I'm like, man, I get to be Scott today. This is nice. I like it. So tell us a bit about yourself and your mortgage business. So basically I started in the mortgage business nine years ago and originally my wife started our mortgage company and she was doing it for two years, doing really well and uh, started working for this guy. And and actually he headhunted her to come work at her company and said, hey, can you come work with me? And she said, yeah. And after three or four interviews, and she took the job, and she said, "Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant." And he's like, "Awesome!" <laughs> so uh, there you go. But then, so then, when she's like, "But don't worry, I'm going to come back to work." And then, when uh, when the, our oldest was born, um, what happened was is uh, I decided that, "Hey, I'm going to come to work with my wife." So we went and told this guy, "We're both going to we're going to job share. My my husband's going to come work with me." And he's like, "I think this is a bad idea. You know, I can't see how." Anyway, so that's where we started. And then uh, that was nine years ago. I started out, uh, my wife kind of had started her business and then I just went from there. And um, yeah, and now she doesn't work. And you took it over from her. Yeah. Yeah. She hasn't worked in the business in a few years. Well, you always do this. Uh, You always ask for a quote. You are a quote guy. Can you share a quote that has really impacted you and how have you applied this to your business recently? So one of the quotes that I love, and and I say this all the time is Chase. It's a proverb and I've heard it's a Japanese or Russian proverb and it's chase two rabbits and catch none. And it's this idea that if you are constantly trying to do too many things that you will, won't be very good at any of them or you won't have any success. And so that for me in the mortgage business, like all these interviews and doing 70 plus interviews, talking to people, this is a fantastic business that has a huge income potential provided you stay focused on it and you are doing a few things that are really important. And I have had a tendency in the past to try to do dozens of things, as you know, and I think we're both wired the same way. We're always trying to invent things and and I still will do it. I'm not going to say I won't, but I'm going to spend the majority of my energy on making my mortgage business bigger. And in the last three or four months, since I've really dialed that in even more, that the results have been awesome. Nice. So from there, share something you failed at. When you look back at your nine years in business, what have you failed at and what lesson have you learned from it? I would say for me, like, I, I you know, failures happen numerous times and uh, in, in the mortgage business and before. One of my first businesses was this, it was a countertop vending machine. So you probably go into these businesses and you see, you know, you get mints and you put a quarter in. And so I saw these things everywhere and I thought, man, there's a business where you can make money, right? Like I was like 19 and I thought this is going to be killer. And then instead of just buying the machines, I called the guy to get some machines and he's like, well, actually I'm kind of getting out of it. If you want to buy all the equipment, you can build the machines and you can sell them yourself and you can have a whole like, and I thought, wow, this is even better. I don't even have to, I can just make my own machines. So uh, I cashed out my RSPs that I had at the time and uh, I went and bought all this equipment acrylic benders and vacuum molders and convinced my brother to join me. We were going to take over the world. And uh, we, we at the time I was living in Fort Nelson. So you can imagine that's a great market for this kind of thing. And so we we got the equipment, we built the, the machines, but then we're like, oh my gosh, we are so far from our market that this is like, this is crazy. We would have to go back to Edmonton or to different markets to sell. And so uh, in the end, I ended up losing uh, most of the money that I put into it. But I learned about the importance of uh, starting out smaller and being the, the proximity to your market. You know, if you, you 
he was in Edmonton where we got these machines. So it's a big market. You could yeah. potentially have people to sell to. Well, we didn't have that. And so that was a lesson that for me that I was like, man, I wish, you know, looking back, but it was only whatever. It wasn't tons of money. And I definitely learned some lessons from it. So how long did you do that for? How long till you realized that, hey, this is a mistake. We got to bounce. Well, it was a, it was less than a year by the time we started it. But I mean, okay. we had to figure out how to make the thing. So he kind of gave us some instructions, but it wasn't like we had the temp, like the molds, but um, you know, we were going through this uh, bending this plastic and stuff. And if you screwed up, it wouldn't work and we're frigging with it. And then the machine breakdown. And so way outside, like I, be, just because of my nature, I tend to like, well, you know, if you, the machines are good, building the machines must be better. Right. Like it's kind of like always, and it's like, why just keep it simple for yourself. And, and uh, so it didn't take long before we realized, and then we ended up selling the machines back to the guy at first discount. Of course he made, he made money. He thought these two suckers, <laughs> man, they're going to, he sold us the machines. And then we basically, you know, reluctantly took them back from us at a, uh, a loss for us. And I was just like, dang, that's what's stupid. So, um, wow, there you go. Well, I mean, nine years into the business now for mortgage brokering, and you have now recorded 70 interviews. You've, you have interviewed 70 successful mortgage brokers. What is one surprising thing that you've discovered from the interviews, whether it be someone else's failure or somebody else's success? And how does that relate to what you've gone through? Right. I think I could probably talk about this for hours, but the big <laughs> thing that, uh, have you ever seen the movie Kung Fu Panda? The very first yeah. one. So love that movie. It's it's hilarious. Jack Black. If nobody's seen it, Jack Black's the he's the panda and he's he's pretty funny. But in it, his dad is this duck who owns this uh, like restaurant and he says he has this secret ingredient soup and secret ingredient soup. And yeah. There, and so when I started the podcast, so to, to relate to that, when I started the podcast, what I was really looking for is what is the secret? What really makes somebody a successful mortgage broker? And I have found that there is no secret. I, I think the big surprise for me is just like in that in that movie is that it's just about hard work. There's only a few things you really need to do to be successful as a mortgage broker. Most people don't want to do them. It's things like calling your clients, staying in touch, phoning your realtors on a weekly basis. Like this is none of this stuff is rocket science. It's not complicated, but it's not easy because of, you know, call reluctance. We don't want to do it. We just feel like, oh, I don't want to harass them or what do they think of me or so all whatever goes through your head. But ultimately the people that are successful have figured out that that it's just consistently show up every day, uh, take care of your clients. And it's not, there is no secret. I wish there was a secret that I could sell. I was like hoping to find it and be like, okay, here's yeah. the secret ingredient. I could sell it to everybody and make bazillions of dollars, but it's just, you got to work. You got to be willing to out hustle your competitors and, uh, and, and it's, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no secret. No, I, I actually couldn't agree with you more. And my business kind of grew the same way. You're always looking for that secret, that magic pill that you take and all of a sudden your business will explode. But no, it really is the foundation of uh, any good business is just hard work. But obviously, after 70 interviews, you've heard people that do different things. Share something that has impacted you and maybe something that you're doing differently because of something somebody said in an interview. Right. Well, I can think back to, uh, I can probably do this numerous, but Lori Rasmussen, I interviewed and she talked about, she does 400 plus loans a year and uh, really tight systems in a process. And she told me that when a referral comes into her office, the first thing they do is they call the referral source and say, hey, thanks so much for the referral. We'll be in touch with them within less than 30 minutes. And they stay in touch with that client up until mm. closing, right? So, um, or up until it's approved. And so I took that from her and I thought, you know what, it, me as a mortgage broker, what if you ask any mortgage broker about underwriters that they like working with, it's underwriters that stay in touch, that keep them in the loop. Stay in touch, yeah. And so one of the big things that we've implemented is we, when we get submit a file, we'll contact the real estate agent or whoever's involved, let them know what's going on. And then we literally will stay in touch with them every single day until we have an approval. And it's, it's not me that's doing it. It's my assistant, Nicole, but 
the crazy part is when the file is complete, when we get it approved and I call them up and say, hey, everything's done. The realtors that we work with are just gobsmacked. They act like we performed open heart surgery mm. and all we did was just stay in touch. Like we, we they, I said to Nicole, if somebody calls us looking for an update, we failed. We do not want people looking for updates. We, we need to beat them to the punch. And so we put in some systems to make sure that we always stay in touch first and and that we're always, you know, you're on it right away. And, and we're, I'm picking up new realtors all the time that I've never worked with that have just said, Hey, I need to work with you guys because no one else keeps us in the loop like this. And it's not, again, it's not, it's not, it's nothing crazy secret, right? I think you're touching on something there that I'd like you to expand on because I think that uh, staying in touch and basic communication is a a key to a successful business. But as an independent broker, one man show, it's pretty tough to get the client, rock the client, work with the client, get the mortgage, you know, consult the client, help them figure everything out and stay in touch. And you said you implemented some system. You've got an assistant. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like and how you've been able to build out just from being you to kind of outsourcing some of these tasks that are important to the process. So what we do in our office essentially is when when an offer comes in, we take the offer, we connect with the real estate agent, we connect with the client, make sure that we're sending it to the right place. I always tell them you will hear from us every single day until we have an approval and realtors are like, oh, great. Uh, and then what we do every morning at 10 a.m., Nicole goes on her update time. So even if we have nothing at 10 a.m., everybody's getting an update because, and the update typically says, hey, your application has been submitted. If we hear back today, we'll call you. If we, if not, we'll chat with you tomorrow. And people, hmm. people are like, oh, okay, great. And then the next day, usually by 10 o'clock, if we wait till noon, people start to get a little wiggy, right? Like, so they're like, okay, you know, how is it, what's going on with my file? Cause sometimes people are nervous. So we don't wait yeah. till noon, but we don't do it right at eight o'clock because sometimes we won't get an answer till nine o'clock or something. So we found that just using a 10 AM process to, to stay in touch. And then that's just active files. But then, it, and then you'd said, how else do you need to have systems for all this stuff? So for instance, realtors, one of the things I learned talking to Callum and Bernadette and a bunch of other people and there's coaches out of the US that teach this is you need to be calling your realtors every single Monday, like literally with like clockwork. And then at certain days of the week, you call different types of clients. And that is like, you just need to set that in your calendar. Like it's a concrete appointment and you just need to make it happen. And so I have, I've had some awesome months just by doing this, just literally using the phone, staying in touch, nothing fancy, no, no secret weapon and people appreciate it, right? Like they appreciate that you are staying in touch with them. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds, it sounds so simple, but to actually execute it, it's, uh, it's something else. Um, do you use any type of software or are you getting into like, what kind of CRM are you using? Are you just using Phylogix or, uh, what, what have you found successful to help you? figure so out your business. We have, we use a, I've, I've played with them probably in the nine years of, I, no kidding, like eight or nine different CRMs. And I haven't found any that I like as much as the one I'm currently using. doesn't mean something better won't come along because I'm always trying to improve. But uh, so we use a, it's a, not a mortgage program, but it's called Solve360 and it, you can template it. You can, one of the cool things we just did with it is it syncs with our phone system. So when a client phones to our office, their record pops up on the screen. So I'm like, oh, hey, you know, it's Sue Smith. And if Nicole gets a call from a client from four years ago, she doesn't have to be like, who are you? What's your name? It's like, no, it's right there in front of her, the, all their details. So um, that's one program that I've really liked. The other thing that I've, I've implemented is a program called Phone Burner. And uh, I think we were chatting about this. I'm going to do a webinar on this program. So Phone Burner allows me to upload a batch of uh, clients and call them. It's like an auto dialer. And so one of the cool okay. things, so how that works, one of the cool things you can do is, let's say I put in the other day, I called 39 clients in just over an hour. And so what I did, I put their names in, I hit, I record a voicemail because they say statistically, you're going to hit voicemails probably 60% of the time. And so 
recording. Imagine if you have to call 40 people and record all these voicemails, by the time you get, you're done, you're exhausted. You're like, man, I have no more energy. Um, and so yeah. what this program does is it allows you to record a voicemail. And then with, when you hit a client's voicemail, you hit leave voicemail, and then it dials the next person in the queue. And then if that's a voicemail, it leaves a second voicemail. And you literally can be leaving two or three voicemails while you're talking live with someone and it compresses the time it takes to make calls. And so I've showed this to a couple other top brokers that do more volume than me that do a lot of calls. And they, they're like, this is amazing. So it, again, it's about figuring out the tool. It just helps you do the work, but it doesn't, you still have to make the calls, right? It's still not going to make, yeah. but it can definitely shorten the time, make it less exhausting. And so there's some cool things that you can do with it. And I'm going to, yeah, I'll do a, I'm going to do a webinar on it. And when it's done, I'll put a link or something on the, on the post. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about you, you'll do a webinar on anything. I, I love it. You find, you find something exciting. Ooh, I like this. And then let's do a webinar and you're always willing to share it. You know, I, I think that's one of the things I've appreciated learning a lot from you in business is that you're definitely not afraid to try new things. And I think that, you know, after you've done 70 interviews, your original goal was to do a hundred. Is that still kind of the goal? Like where, where will the, I love mortgage brokering podcast go to kind of what's your vision there as you continue to learn and continue to teach people kind of what's the vision there, Scott? So, uh, Definitely, the goal is still to do 100. You know, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't deviated from that. I think it, where I will, when I get to the 100, I still haven't decided on what. You know, I probably will keep doing it because I'm kind of, I'm addicted to it. But my, my plan is to try to pick times of the year when it's less busy to, to batch a bunch of interviews because right now, when you're busy, it's hard to find the time to build to do the interviews when I'm trying to put you know deals together and do my calls and do the work that needs to get done. So um, I think not realizing. There's, you know, our business is very cyclic in nature, and there's times when it's really busy, and so I, I want to have them banked in for those times so that I'm not having to do them when I'm up to my eyeballs, and then I can. Uh, so that, that's something that'll happen in the next sort of slow season. I plan to, to get ahead on it. No, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Here's your DeLorean question, and this is the one you always do, and you always say it the same way, and I love it. Remember the movie Back to the Future, Scott? The DeLorean car that could travel in time. If you could jump in the DeLorean and go back nine years to your first day as a mortgage broker, what three pieces of advice would you give yourself? Well, the first thing, everybody says this, but I would... If you don't have a CRM, you need to even use a Google spreadsheet. I know Dustin Woodhouse does a hundred million a year and he uses a Google spreadsheet. So you don't need it. You just, but you do need to keep track of all of your client data, maturity dates, all that stuff. Um, so that'd be the first thing. The second thing I would tell myself, because I didn't do a very good job of that initially, is I need to have a follow-up system for my client types. Um, actually, yeah. this, this kind of brings me to something I'm going to sidetrack here for a second. I listened to an interview with a guy who had done 500, he sold over 500 houses in a year. So he's out of talk, to, and this is a realtor. So you can wow. imagine what the commission, and it was a team, of course, but he did over 500 real estate uh, deals. And um, he was he likes mountain biking. He's riding his mountain bike and he's watching his tire just take a beating. And he's like, how does my tire stand up to this kind of abuse? And he realized it's the spokes. Each spoke helps support the tire. Then he started thinking, well, how does my business, you know, able to kind of go through the ups and downs. And he realized his business also has spokes. And so one of those spokes can be like realtors. Another spoke can be past clients. Another spoke could be, um, you know, financial advisors. So you, you can have, and one of the mistakes that I made starting out is that I really had built a strong business around uh, past clients and client referrals. So I have two spokes that I was re I've really focused on. Hmm. And I, yeah. I, I realized now one of the mistakes that I had made, I would tell myself is you need to, yes, you need to get each of those spokes dialed in and tight and really before you move on to the next one, but don't limit yourself to only having two sources of business when you can have three, four, five, uh, because as the market goes up and down, you will have, you know, the, the, it'll make for a smoother business than having just relying on one or two 
types of clients. And so for each of those spokes, one of the things that I've recently started doing is you need to have a phone strategy for them. You need to have an email strategy. You need to have a face-to-face strategy and then a mailing strategy. And so you then don't move on to the next one until you have that. Whichever one you're focusing on first, then move, you know, you get it dialed in, then move on to the next. So that's something else I would tell myself. And the third thing I would tell myself is uh, find a mentor because I think that when you start in this business, like you kind of forget, you've been doing, you did it a long time as well. And you, uh, you need having somebody that can kind of get a couple steps ahead of you is very helpful. Somebody to chase, yeah, you know, someone to kind of make you, I found that the, what I've had my best years when I've had somebody either chasing me or I was chasing someone. And the years that I sort of was just kind of doing my own thing, I was like, ah, you know, I'm doing okay. I don't need to push myself. So it's like having a training partner in the gym. I think it's helpful to have somebody that's helping you, uh, push yourself and that's in- encouraging you. So whatever that looks like if it's your the owner of your company, if it's someone else or whatever. Um, but I think that that's been really helpful. Right on. No, that's good advice. So any uh, so that's good advice back to you nine years ago. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's do a let's do a quick summary. Kind of over over the seventy interviews you've done, what is something that stands out as great advice that you've received applied to your business and would say to other people that they should be applying it to their business? I would say that the phone is actually the the most profitable tool you have in your office. And I love email. I've in the past, I've sent 30 some thousand emails to my past clients since 2009 through through uh, it. So I think email is great. There's lots of great ways to stay in touch, but I don't think there's anything better than the phone as far as being able to connect with people. And uh, I'll give you an example. So I have these clients from four years ago. I have not, I have not seen them or talked to them in four years. And I realized I need to get back in touch with my clients. So I phone them and, um, they answer the phone. They're like, "Hey, we're uh, the, the, you know the realtor tell you to call us." I'm like, "No." She goes, "Oh, we're just thinking about selling. We want to get pre-approved." So she comes in and sits down with me this week, and I'm like, I go through the whole process, figure out what she needs, and so like th- those people have unsubscribed from my email campaign. So I have a pretty, I think I have a pretty good email campaign. But, but that when I called them, it wasn't because they didn't want to hear from me. It's just they, uh, you know. So I think the phone is for sure the number one thing. If you can get good at the phone, then that'll make a huge difference in your business and something that I have been focusing on like crazy. Cause I don't, I think, I don't think I took it. I didn't give it the weight it deserved. Hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, I kind of would go on the other side and I'd completely go in all in on email and you're right. People unsubscribe. And you know, it, again, it's, it's what, like what you're saying about the spokes that totally makes sense. Phone is one thing. And I think brokers avoid the phone. And I think you're absolutely right. And we tend to rely on email way too much, or we tend to rely on in-person too much. But yeah, it's all about kind of building out your spokes. But I I feel like... So there you go. Yeah. I feel like the phone is like, you know, if you ever did work, you ever worked out, if you're done squats, squats just suck, right? Like they're just, everybody says they're effective. (laughs) But they're terrible. They're terrible. They're effective. Everybody's like, yeah, they're going to up your testosterone. They're going to make everything else stronger. And you're like, but oh, they suck. So instead of doing squats... They just hurt so bad. Yeah. And the phone is like that. I'm not trying to make it out to be easy, but, but then what happens is people come along and they have, you know, they want to sell you a thigh master and they say, look, what you need for your business is a thigh master. And you're like, that is just a gadget. That is not going to yeah. make any yeah, difference in my income compared to doing the damn squats or making, sorry, I swore I'm going to get a little explicit rating, but not compared to <laughs> making the phone calls because it's the most effective thing you can do hands down. And if you talk to any top broker, they are on the phone all the time. 
time. Like, and um, so I, I do believe, and I love face to face. I do that as much as I can, but you can you can talk to more people on the phone faster than you can face to face. Yeah. No. And yeah. So you're basically calling Twitter the sign master of the business world. Yeah, I would say you know I, compared yeah. to phone. I mean, in an hour, I have, I have I have five leads. I have an appointment booked, and I have people that I'm redoing mortgages for. And Twitter, what am I gonna? An hour of Twitter is not going to return that kind of you know compared to doing the squats of the phone. There you go. Well, uh, anything you want to add? Anything you want to finish with? Any smart thoughts? Anything like that? Or are we done? I think we're done, man. I appreciate you taking the time for this and and. Uh, yeah, and anybody that's listening, hopefully that you've, the interviews have been helpful for you guys. I know that have been helpful for me, and um, just get out there and make it happen, man. This is a great business, and and there's so much opportunity that I feel like we're not we don't take advantage of all the time. So, well, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I love mortgage brokering with your host Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing, since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.